Hello, good evening, and welcome to Seascapes. On tonight's programme, we meet the owner of one of Ireland's few shipping companies and a young Irish woman who's made a career in the shipping business. Coastline Shipping is one of only four shipping companies in Ireland. It's an industry which has huge ups and downs and in Ireland it has little government support. Joe Hawes is the owner of Coastline Shipping and I met him recently in his office in Cove where he explained the shipping business in Ireland and worldwide but first he told me how long he'd been in shipping. Nearly 40 years and um, I've seen a lot of changes in it from over that time and uh, it's a unique enough business in Ireland because it's not supported by the state and I don't see that the uh, situation will change because there's no votes in it. So therefore, I do not think that um, it will ever increase what it is, really. Tell me about your company. My business is uh, now solely involved in the uh, transportation of logs from Scotland uh, to Ireland and inter Scotland. Um, this is a business I've been involved in since its inception, I suppose, back in uh, the early zero zeros, when... This Scottish uh, log business developed due to Maggie Thatcher's planting of uh, logs in Scotland in 86, 87 and the maturing of the trees and then uh, the overabundance of of logs and the Irish uh, timber um, factories interested in the logs. They're also interested in these logs because the government does not allow logs come from any other part of the world, only from Scotland because uh, Scotland doesn't have this black beetle. This black beetle is um, a problem if you import uh, logs from any other uh, place. France has plenty of logs, so has Belarus. The government does not allow any logs uh, come in only from Scotland. Okay, you see plenty of packaged timber from Sweden and Finland and Riga in Cork and elsewhere around the country, but that's packaged processed timber. That's not logs, and therefore that's the reason why factories in Ireland have no alternative but only to buy the logs from Scotland. How many ships are you running at the moment? At the moment I'm presently running two, probably sufficient for uh, the business that's coming to Ireland uh, because the uh, government have opened up the licences for the felling of trees, so therefore the demand I don't think will be uh, as great as it was Mm. in the past few years. But it's still, there's a good demand, but I think that the... um, uh, demand and all fall off. How do you go about running a ship from your office here in Cove overlooking Cork Harbour, beautiful Cork Harbour? How do you go about running a ship? Well, it's a very uh, unique business and it's a very uh, tricky little business and you have to know the uh, tricks in it, otherwise uh, it could be very complicated. But uh, there's a structure to it and there's a structure uh, for crewing and there's a structure for maintenance and there's a structure for... Um, for all the different uh, sectors and parts of it. And without the structure, you just can't survive. It's it's just like that. From your office here in Cove, do you decide where your this ex-ship is going to go, how long it's going to spend in port, what it's going to pick up, where it's going to bring, where it goes next, and how far in advance do you work? No, I have, I have an office in Scotland, and uh, in the office in Scotland, uh, that is controlled by Mrs Rhonda Taylor, who liaisons directly with the charters. The charters then decide where the... Uh, where the ship will, will run to. I have no uh, jurisdiction over the, of the, where the ship is going because I'm on time charter, 
but uh, I do know it's 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 Ireland, Scotland. It's it's down. It's only going to be that area. Where you're operating at the moment, when you say you're on charter, that's because there's an EU scheme to get trucks off the road, and you're part of that. The company that operates the whole structure is a company called Timberlink, and Timberlink is a Scottish company, a combination of both the ships, the berths, the cranes, the trucks, everything. And this is a structure that was put together to promote the forestry business in Scotland and to put a structure into it. I form part of that as I supply the ships. Every part of it has a little leg, and without, this, without, without the various parts, the whole structure doesn't work. So therefore the truck is, is as important as the ship, or the ship is as important as, as the crane, or uh, the berths are very important, and the whole thing is put together. The whole thing was conceived out of the trucks on the roads in Scotland where the logs are, are very remote and a lot of them do not have uh, uh, berths and things. The distance for the trucks to travel were enormous to get to the factories which are generally in the Troon Air area. In order to get the trucks off the road, there's a thing in the EU called the roadways of the seas and in certain uh, areas uh, this grant has been given by the EU if you can if you can provide the structure of which will take trucks from the road so this idea was conceived by ABP ports uh, associated British ports and they worked on that for for a few years and they were successful in this grant this is really a lot of the reason for the use of a ship inter Scotland I do a lot of inter Scotland work that would be sent back to air or sent back to Throne or Ardrishik or Campbelltown or Argyle or these places. That's a remote little places. And in some cases, we have devised a floating bridge. And the floating bridge is a barge. Okay, there's a picture and, of it here. Yeah, the floating bridge is a barge, a type of uh, bridge from the shore out of this barge where the truck drives through this little um, bridge onto the ship. So this means that you can access. A lot of very remote places. Tiny. This is here. We have a photograph. It's a tiny little port. Uh, you wouldn't normally. You would. The ship normally wouldn't be able to come alongside there. But because of this barge, it can. Then the truck drives on. Correct. But I mean, this is actually not a port. This is just the edge of a cliff. The, the, the barge is put in position, and in this, there's a roadway made down to the to, to the uh, bridge. The, the ship is loaded from the barge. But I mean, without this, and then when when this area is devastated, all the trees are taken away and is replanted again, they go on to another area with, with the same system. How many logs are you carrying, or how many bust the tonnage on those ships? About uh, 1,800 tonnes, but it depends, of course, in the uh, weather, because uh, if, the, if it is um, uh, winter weather and the snow and the rain, and the logs will absorb water, as you can imagine, and therefore the tonnage becomes heavier. But in the winter, summertime, when the trees are light, you'll do much better. Yeah. So that's, that's how that operates. Now, you described yourself to me earlier as a rare breed a shipping operator in Ireland. Our history in shipping has been reducing all, all the time. The situation regarding ship owning in Ireland is a very um, strange situation. It's from the point of view, didn't ever gather government support. And there are reasons why it didn't gather government support. Basically because it's a very small area and it doesn't have much votes, and anything that doesn't have the votes won't get it won't be um, promoted. 
but that but that's a different scene on the continent in in uh, Holland and in Germany, Denmark, Sweden. These con- countries have a big tradition in shipping, and the government supports them. So when something has been supported by a state, that obviously will thrive in that area. So if you're trying to operate against that competition, I think you're on a a bit of a lesser key. So therefore, for those few that are in Ireland in the business, we are up against people who have uh, grants and have government support and have government taxes aligned to the shipping industry, which where we don't, where we do not have. So that's the reason why I think it'll never be a flourishing business in Ireland. How many shipping companies are in Ireland? Very few, I think. Uh, basically speaking, when you take out the government uh, uh, ships out of it, I think you're down for about maybe three or four. Everything has changed. The uh, the ships got bigger. The cargoes from uh, South America, grain, animal feed, and all that. You used to go to Rotterdam. Uh, because we had no facilities for accepting vessels of bulk carriers like 20, 30, 40,000 tonnes. We had no facilities for them. Then there was a big transshipment business between Rotterdam and all the various ports with coasters with uh, maybe starting at, at one time around six, 700 tonnes, reaching up to about 3,000 tonnes. But today it's, it's all the 3,000 tonnes, 4,000, 5,000. But that business now has diminished as well because with the facilities in Ringeskiddy and in uh, Waterford, Fines in Dublin, they can accept these, um, these bull carriers with 30, 40, 50,000 tonnes of animal feed and grain and soy and all the rest of it, whereas that, that counts out the uh, coaster uh, doing the transshipment, so the amount of ships okay. have got less. We're, we're here in one of the rooms in your house and you're surrounded by models of ships you used own. That is your, your history in ships. How many have you owned over the years, do you think? I've owned 18 ships uh, over the years. The items you shipped, the cargo you carried over the years has changed and so have the types of ships. Well, of course they have because um, to the, say, the mid-60s, uh, containers were not very... Containers really didn't come popular until the mid-60s. Uh, they just became into innovation in the 60s. Prior to that, everything was brake bulk. It was a different system. The amount of dockers and labour that were involved in loading a vessel and unloading a vessel was absolutely enormous. The chances of breakages and filtrages were very high. So when the advent of the container, that changed from the bulk. Container, containerizing products that, that, that can be easily handled in, say, 40 foots, 20 foots, and uh, the consignment is taken directly from the factory directly to the end user without any transshipments or people getting involved in the item. Whereas before, there was so much handling of the product that uh, it became uh, open to breakages and privileges and all this. So that type of system then changed and we went to containerizing for bagged cargoes and for uh, fertiliser and all that. Even coal even uh, runs in containers. So that changed the system. But there are other products then that don't fit containers like scrap, salt, coal, animal feed, that type of thing. That's still in a bulk, in a bulk state and probably will remain, remain so. So it's, I mean, you can't really containerize logs. So therefore, that system of a vessel may have diminished, but it works side by side with the vessels that are containerized. Then, of course, there was a change in the, in, the, in the configurations of, and then the constructions of ships. They went from open hatch vessels to box vessels, 
and Vox vessels are very um, uh, need no cleaning out of the holes because they're um, they're not framed. So all the frames before had to be um, individually cleaned, and that was very labour and time consuming. The hatches were in my early days. The ships I had were um, timber timber ceilings and the hatches and tarpaulins. That was very laboursome. Today everything is either McGregor or steel opening or single pole or whatever it is. That's another labour saving in the business. So things have changed. The ship has changed. The type of system has changed. Everything has changed. That's just the way that life is. You did say to me, though, that one thing that hasn't changed is that the shipping business is marked by peaks and troughs continuously. Absolutely. Generally, the, um, the, 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 the climatic conditions of the world or of the economy or of certain areas change the whole thing. So we have now this uh, situation where um, this uh, sanctions on Russia and you have people uh, with vessels that are trading now to Russia uh, today and are turning back because they're afraid their vessels might be impounded or the cargoes might be impounded. A few of them have been on to me yesterday telling me about um, turning their ships back. I think you, we have a very high peak at the moment. Uh, we have a lot of... Uh, Trade is very good at the moment and rates are very high. But this will, I think, diminish in the next few months because the trade in the Baltic will diminish and the trade in the Black Sea will diminish. And all those ships that are in the Black Sea and all the ships that are in the Baltic will come down here to our area looking for trade. And therefore, it's the old story, supply and demand. When you have too many of anything, the price drops. When you have too little of anything, the price goes up. Same old story. But we've been told that during the pandemic, that shipping, that there were backlogs in China, shipping became very, very expensive. How are we working through that now? That is um, the container trade from... Uh, from mainly the, the the very large vessels in the uh, the transocean type of uh, container business that is very high, and the rates are enormous. But that's because there was a lot of people that were in that business, uh, got out of it, and then when it um, when the economy developed again, say in the past six or seven years, there was a shortage of these vessels, and the uh, the trade, uh, the price of the containers rose enormously, and I think what really sparked it was this problem with this evergreen vessel in the Suez that gave the time bomb because it was vessels approaching the canal and they said no we won't we'll go uh, around the Cape and when you go around the Cape it adds 12 to 14 days and more rates go up and when the rates went up they never came down so uh, I know one person that, that told me that they were paying roughly from China to uh, UK around 4,000 for a container in December 2020 and in 2020 in December 2021 one year later they were paying 23,000 so that is where the problem lies at the moment Do you see an out for that? What's going to happen there? Well obviously there are people building new vessels at the moment and I think that the uh, demand will drop as well because the products at the moment will probably uh, with this Russian problem uh, things will go back and I, and I think that the uh, Demand won't be so high, and I think that obviously all that would be a combination of, of problems. With oil prices because of embargoes on Russia, is there the capability to ship oil around the world from elsewhere? Well, there is, but um, these oil companies also use uh, their heads when it comes to uh, 
uh, a crisis and uh, monopolised situations. There is a problem, okay, but I think um, they are very much so jumping on a on a situation that is developing and as a guards at Isles, we can see it going up and going down. Almost a year ago, they couldn't. They wanted to give it away. Yeah, because a year ago, I was doing interviews with people, and they were saying that tankers were just loading up and lying around at a negative cost. That they would pay people to take the oil, and nobody would take it. Well, that I think is true, but I think it's all market generated, and I think that that these companies are so large that they can that they can manipulate markets themselves. And I think the same is true of the container business. If you look at the main players, there's about five main players in containers in the world, they are taking, chartering all the container vessels. So in order to keep the monopoly of the situation, they are monopolizing on it so that there won't be any... They're doing their best in order to keep the price up. What do you hope for your own future in shipping in Ireland? My situation is that I don't have anybody in my family that are involved in it, so therefore uh, the whole thing is standing with me. Because of my maturing time, my, my, my maturing age, I don't think that I'm too interested in expansion at any stage, and I will continue just on as long as I can do it. Thanks a million for your time. OK, it's very kind of you, and I hope that uh, I, I'm some uh, benefit to those who would like to know about the commercial side of shipping in Ireland because I think it's something that is uh, not known very, very well. People have a kind of a distorted view of uh, what shipping is all about and owning ships is all about. It's uh, not glamorous and it is very tricky and you have to be very careful with it and you have to have a lot of experience. And many thanks to Joe Hose and the best of luck to Coastlines Shipping. Recently, I was at a conference in the National Maritime College on offshore renewable energy. One of the speakers there was Stephanie Hyde McIntyre, a graduate of the college, and she spoke about the future opportunities for the fishing industry in Ireland. Stephanie spent some years at sea in the commercial shipping sector, and she told me what that experience was like for a young woman and how she wants the shipping industry in Ireland to develop to offer more opportunities for people like her. My name is Stephanie and I'm currently working with Fishery Liaisons Limited as an office manager and I graduated from the National Maritime College in 2020 with a Bachelor of Science in Nautical Science. Now we're here in, in the college. You've just been speaking and you spoke about how young people are not turning towards maritime life, towards the sea. Yes, there's no advertisement for it. Like fishing, like fishing families, it's, as it was said, it's passed down from father to son or daughter. But there's no, there's no drive there to get people that aren't born into a fishing industry or a maritime industry to go and pursue a career in the maritime industry. You're from Crosshaven, quite near us here, a maritime, a coastal town. But you said when you were in sixth year, they had an open day here in the college. And what happened? Yeah, so we were in our weekly assemblies on Friday morning and our yearhead came in and she said, oh, National Maritime College open day is on next Thursday or Friday. Who wants to go? We'll organise a bus for you put your hand up. So I put my hand up and I looked around and not a single person in my class put their hand up. And that was a mixed school, it wasn't an all-girls school. No one put their hand up, not even for the day off school or the free day out to her. Yeah. No one was interested in going over. Why is that? Like Crosshaven, well-known place for sailing for all types of uh, boating, marine activities? Because that was probably the first time any of them have heard of the Maritime College and that's the truth, to be honest. It's only a couple of miles away? Yeah. It's literally a 15-minute drive. 
when I was I was in fifth year of secondary school before I heard of people going to the Maritime College and I was look there was two guys in the year above me went but that's my first hearing of the Maritime College in my entire secondary school experience. How did you enjoy your time here or did you enjoy it? I did enjoy my time I was lucky I made a great group of friends and I had I did my cadetship at sea we were doing worldwide trade and I met the best of the best and some not so the best people like I was able to travel worldwide I was in countries that I never would have been to if I didn't go to sea where, where have you been so Singapore Australia Saudi Asia like China South Korea San Francisco Panama Taiwan Thailand on ships, on <laughs> all ships. on ships yeah what's it like for uh, what's that like like for a woman a young woman so I was lucky I had a mostly positive experience I heard like I do have friends female friends that did have a not so great experience obviously we work with a multinational crew there is the cultural differences there there's a lot of old generation seafarers which a lot of seafarers and they look at women and say women don't belong on ships mm. but that is slowly changing because there is more and more women going to the industry but overall it was positive I made great friends here we all went different way cruise ships I was on oil tankers and gas carriers but it was overall, it was a great experience. You now are working on shore? Yeah, I only recently resigned. I sailed as an officer of the watch on oil and gas oil and gas tankers. Um, personally, I find it very hard, especially with COVID, made things harder again. But I was lucky enough to be able to come to a job ashore. Unfortunately, it's not doing what my degree would have set me up for. Um, because for my degree to be worth anything ashore, I would have had to spend another 10 years at sea which is very tough, like you're doing long, our trips were about four months. I have friends in the last few, I have one friend that actually did nine and a half months on board because of COVID. I have one friend, he signed on a ship in September last year. He's hoping to get home in March. He was supposed to be home in December. And these things make it so much harder. Like there is Wi-Fi now, you can't communicate, but sometimes that even makes it harder. You see what you miss. Like, I don't want to have to miss. I miss my sister's communion. If I was still at sea, I was going to miss my best friend's wedding. I was going to miss my sister's confirmation, family weddings. Like, sometimes you have to balance, is it worth it going away for so long? Like, I love ships. I'm so passionate about the industry. I absolutely love them. But the job itself, it is very hard going away for that long. Yeah, there's an opportunity now that with offshore energy to have that kind of in industry indigenous and local to Ireland. That, I think, is going to be a great initiative for more people to come to the industry. Because a lot of people, when I found, I was like, OK, you ought to see, you have to do four or five months. You don't have a choice. That's just what the industry is. Whereas when you see more of these smaller ships, I might do a month or six weeks or two months. That's much more doable than looking at a ship and say, oh, my God, I'm not going to see any of my family or friends for God knows how long. Yeah. Whereas if you're on a ship off the coast, you could be coming into Cork Harbour. That's great. Your mum or your dad could collect you at the port. Whereas like, when I signed off a ship, I signed off and say Singapore, I'd fly halfway across the world to get home. Whereas imagine being able to walk just off the pier in Dublin or Cork or Kerry or wherever. You're that, you're that much closer to home. Like, you know, your family could look out to see, we might be able to see the wind farms and from the coast and say, oh, Weavers, if, I don't know if there's a wind farm there, but see, I live up by Weavers Point, so we have a great look at the sea. So like, my granddad now, he's very passionate. Like, he could lock out and he could watch me coming in on a ship or I could know that. I can wave up there now and I'll see my granddad. And like that would be so, like, that'd be nearly more exciting than travelling the world. You know, getting to see your family get to see more of what you're doing as well and you get to see your family and your friends way more often. You had a suggestion as well for the way mariners are educated and for this college. 
Yes, so I suggested that there's like a general entry degree or like the sorts of an arts degree so everyone can go to college. So say everyone does a general one year, we go and start college together and do say a general one year or one semester, you get your SDCW certs or whatever and then you decide, okay, maybe I want to go merchant, maybe I want to go fishing. But the point being, if you went and went fishing and in a few years time said, you know what, I'd actually like to try the merchant marine, that that one year of college will stand to you. You you're don't not starting have to, from scratch again. Exactly, you're not starting from scratch. You can go on then and say, do a cadetship or move on to your final year of college, do more study. But now a fisherman, mostly they're fishermen, they've so much more to do to change their qualifications. They've more SD, different SDCW courses. Like We can make these general. There is so much that can be done and give everyone the opportunity to be able to go to sea because fishermen skills like they're doing all the navigation they're doing stability like these things are also very important for fishing boats not just big ships mm. that these skills are transferable and it there there can be a way to make it more fair so that everyone has the opportunity no matter which route they want to go down in the marine community stephanie hyde mcintyre And that's it for Seascapes for this week. We're back at the same time next Friday. Everything on the programme is podcast. It's on our website, rte.ie slash seascapes. If you want to contact me or the programme, the email is seascapes at rte.ie. If you're anywhere on or near the water over the next week, stay safe. <laughs> <laughs>